Matthew chapter 5 tonight, Matthew 5, and uh, I remember that night they sang that song, I was, uh, I was a, a teenager, 16, uh, walked into the church by invitation, uh, of course I was no stranger to church, but I'd been out for a little while. My family had gotten out, and I remember invited to a meeting, and they were singing that song, I owe it all to you, Lord. And uh, 22 years later, what a blessing it is to me to hear my boys singing that. And uh, not just my boys, but but to have them be a part of that. I owe it all to you, Lord. Boy, isn't it amazing what the Lord can do with your life. Amen. Aren't you glad for where he brought you from? Did not have to. Did not owe you anything. You didn't do anything to make God like you better than anybody else. He's just good at being God. And lets us be a part of it. Amen. Thank the Lord tonight. Matthew chapter number 5. And uh, let's stand. Verse number 9. Matthew 5 and verse number 9, this is the uh, 7th, I believe, 7th Beatitude. And it's been a little while since we've, uh, since we've uh, well, it's been a little while since I've preached here besides last Sunday morning uh, out of town and uh, mission trips and other things. And so uh, we've, we've not been in the Beatitudes for a while. I want to pick back up tonight. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 7. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Let's read it again tonight. We know here's the blessing. Blessed are the peacemakers. This followed up with the promise, for they shall be called the children of God. We'll stop reading there, that one verse tonight. Lord, we thank you. For all that you've done. We ask you to help us now for a little while. God, may we be mindful of the time, but may we be mindful of your spirit. May we be mindful of your word. May we treat it right. Lord, I pray. God, help us tonight. We need your help. We thank you for it. You have helped us, and we know you will. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach on this next in the, in the line of Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, all of these uh, Beatitudes that we've looked at, we've gave the same treatment. Uh, if you've missed any of them, you can go online, our website, you can find them. They're there. We've given them the same outline, the same treatment. We've approached each Beatitude uh, for the most part, with the same thought. Uh, looking at each beatitude, number one, we see the paradox. Every one of them we've looked at is a paradox. And simply put, that is a, uh, that is a truth that when it is viewed, when it is seen, seems as though it is absurd. To the natural man, it seems unheard of. It seems absurd. And yet it is absolute truth. And some of these are easy to see the paradox. Others of these are a little bit more difficult 
This one might be a little bit more difficult to view it as a paradox because we hear it everywhere we turn. We hear people saying we want peace. We want peace here. We want peace here. We want peace here. And uh, we, we need peace. What we need is peace in the Middle East. And we need peace with Israel and Gaza and all of those things. Uh, but what they are defining as peace is not necessarily the Bible definition of peace. And so in that sense, this is a paradox. We'll see that, probably not tonight. but We'll see that in maybe days to come. And then we viewed each one of these Beatitudes in their progression. Not only are they a paradox, it is a truth that seems absurd, but in fact it is reality, it is truth, but we viewed them as the progression in which they come. They are one stacked upon another, one following another, and the Holy Spirit of God, how many of you believe tonight? that the word you carry, the Bible in your hand, is the inspired word of God. And God put them in the order that they're in on purpose. I believe that tonight. They are progressive in their nature, progressive in their working in your life. And then we saw that we've noticed in each one of these Beatitudes, the promise. Each one of them comes with a promise that says, if this is you, If this becomes you, if God does this work in you, uh, then this is the promise that comes along with it. Uh, If we're going to understand uh, why this is a paradox, if we're going to understand how this progression works and the purpose of this, blessed are the peacemakers. If we're going to understand the promise or if we're going to enter into the promise, Uh, then we're going to have to understand some things about being a peacemaker. I've heard people say before, uh, old brother so-and-so, he's a peacemaker. And I I think that's a good compliment to pay someone. Uh, I think that's a good attribute to possess in your life. It'd be said of you that you are a peacemaker. Uh, But I want to view this tonight in light of the The Word of God in light of the truth that surrounds the Word of God. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? Uh, By definition, a peacemaker is simply put, y'all ready for this? You ready? By definition, a peacemaker. I know it's going to blow your mind, but it is one who makes peace. I know y'all was expecting something greater than that, but a peacemaker is one who makes peace. And by definition, it seems really in the world that we're living in almost an impossible task. How can I be a peacemaker? How can I make peace in a world where really there is no peace? And you hear it called for everywhere and yet you see it hardly nowhere. You hear people call for peace. Politicians and leaders and religious leaders and organizations and corporations and what they say is what the world needs now is love. What the world needs now is peace. And we want peace and we are seekers of peace and yet the more they talk about it, the less you see it. Isn't that amazing? The more they put money towards it, the more they invest in it, the more they describe it, the more they talk about it, and yet everywhere you look, it seems like there is no peace. 
We hear it all the time, and yet there's no economic peace. Uh, we, we, we think if we get this president, we'll have economic peace, but that's all subject to change four years later. Or that's all subject to change if a, if a uh, natural disaster takes place or a physical disaster takes place. And so we say that it's wrapped up in this or that and yet all of those things change and there's never been and there's not going to be in this life economic peace. We hear uh, people talk about uh, not only economic peace but political peace. And one party says of the other party, you're the problem. And the other party says of the other party, you're the problem. And if it wasn't for you, we'd have peace. But here's what we know about human nature. You get rid of one party and the party you got will divide and make another party. Isn't that the way it goes? And uh, I, of course, uh, am a conservative and you know that about me. But my hope tonight is not wrapped up in the Senate. And my hope tonight is not wrapped up uh, in Washington. Thank God, I'd just be hopeless, I think, if that was where it lied tonight. I'd just be one hopeless fella. It is not wrapped up in that, and there is no political peace. One party is vying for power, another party is vying for power. One king's on the throne, another one's on the way. And when they get there, they'll dethrone the one who's there. There's no political peace. There's no racial peace. And I know that we're here and everywhere and we and, and probably the problems are not as big as the media would like to make people believe that they are. But they're there and they're there no matter what skin color you are. No matter what color of your skin, there's racial divides, there's cultural divides. And, and, and we hear we need peace racially. And yet the more they talk about it, it seems the less that there are all around us. And you don't have to, you don't have to have 20-20 vision to see uh, that it is not... In our, uh, in our world uh, peace when it comes to races. One race, uh, one race is against this race and another race is against this race and you can get them all together and, and, and yet they still a divide uh, and I'm for tonight coming together. I'm for tonight uh, getting along but yet the more we preach it, the more this world calls for it and yet we see it less and less every single day. Am I talking to anybody who lives in the world we live in? Jesus told us to be peacemakers, and yet this world has not got nearly an ounce of peace. Divided over everything, money, politics, race. We have uh, divisions in religion. If you think tonight religion has answered all of the world's problems, I'll tell you tonight, you've got another thing coming. There's more wars fall over religion. Uh, there's, there's more military powers funded even to this day by religion. As a matter of fact, there's a war going on in the Middle East tonight over two different religions, two different belief systems. They are fighting tonight uh, and all across this world because of religion. And religion is not the answer and there is no peace even in a world that promotes or pushes religion. 
The Hindus are fighting the Buddhists and the Buddhists are fighting the Muslims and the Muslims are fighting the Jews and the Jews are fighting the church and everybody's fighting somebody. And I tell you tonight, you say, preacher, well, what is the hope? It's not wrapped up in race. It's not wrapped up in politics. It's not wrapped up in uh, uh, economic goods. It's wrapped up in the Lord. He's the, he's the answer. He's the hope. And he's more than religion tonight. He is the Savior and the Creator. There's calls for peace, yet it seems that there is no peace. Uh, you don't have to live long in this world to experience uh, enough life to let you know that your earthly experience down here is an existence without peace. you born into this world and Sometimes people are born into such an unpeaceful existence that it may be a year or two into their world, to their life, they find out there's not much peace. Other folks are born into a good family and, and it takes them a little while to figure it out. But the older they get, the, they hear it on the news, they hear it on the radio, they see it everywhere they go, that this is a world that is void of peace. Yet Jesus tells his disciples, he tells the church, I want you to go into a world without peace and be a peacemaker. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I'm interested in finding out though. I'm interested in what the Holy Ghost expects of me. I'm interested in what the Bible is interested in teaching me about being a peacemaker. Well, going to probably have to figure out why it is that this world has no peace. And there's two answers to this problem tonight. And I want to give them to you and, and then preach a little bit of thoughts to you and go to the house. Actually, I found out uh, that y'all are celebrating, I guess, am I right or am I wrong? Don't make me be a fool. Celebrating my birthday late because I was out of the country. And that means there's cookie cake for me and whatever else is over there for y'all. No, I'm kidding. I'll share cookie cake with you tonight if you'll listen to me, all right? There's two reasons tonight that, uh, that there is not peace in your world apart from the Lord. Number one uh, is satanic opposition. Uh, Satan opposes everything holy. He opposes everything right. He opposes everything righteous. He opposes everything that God is, says, and does. And everything that you read in that Bible, there is satanic opposition uh, that is opposing that right now. I want to tell you mamas and daddies something. Every ounce of truth that you do your best to instill into your child, there is opposition to that, fighting harder than you are probably to oppose what God is wanting to do in their life. And if you've lived long in this world, you know that to be true. Everything I'm trying to teach, there is opposition. Everything that is right, there is opposition. On the other side of right, there is wrong. On the other side of left, there is right. On the other side of up, there is down. On the other side of light, there is darkness. Uh, and it is everywhere in everything that you turn around and see. And it seems like an uphill battle trying to do right with so much opposition in your world. Are you hearing me tonight? There is Satan's opposition that 
is why you live in a world without a whole lot of peace. But I'll tell you another reason tonight, and it's got something to do with you and me. There is opposition from man to God. And it's not just that, and I know we like to blame the devil, it's not just that Satan is opposing God, but it is that you and me uh, have opposed God. You say, preacher, I didn't come to hear that tonight. Well, I come to tell you that you and me uh, have opposed God uh, and our disobedience has taken peace out of our life. I wonder what it was that happened. As Adam and Eve lived in a sinless world, in a world of in the presence of God. They knew the peace of God and yet that day uh, at the opposition of Satan as by disobedience they gave in to the will of the flesh and they surrendered uh, to the voice of Satan uh, and that day that the peace of God left them uh, because of sin and they recognized that where I was not in trouble, now I am. And I tell you tonight, you come into this world lost because of the fall of Adam and you come into a world that without the Lord Jesus Christ you'll live and you'll not know what peace is like. Can I pause right here and say, is anybody glad for the day that you met the last Adam and he saved you and gave you peace that you knew not of until you met him? I talk to Christians tonight and say that it is... Our disobedience to the word of God that causes so much turmoil on the inside. And it'll cause it in your home. It'll cause it in your heart. It'll cause it where you work. It'll follow you around like a plague. Man's disobedience. Uh, what, what, what was the text? I wrote it down and don't remember it. Maybe it's somewhere in my notes. I'll find it in a minute while I'm flipping through here. Uh, there is a war tonight. And I, I don't know how far I'll get into this preaching. I'm just, I want to make sure that you get this. Blessed are the peacemakers. There is a war and Satan is a part of it. Uh, he is assaulting the word of God. He's assaulting the church. He's assaulting truth. And you know that. It, it, it don't take a rocket scientist to see that. You can see the influence. You can see it, you can see it in pop culture. You can see it uh, in the news. You can see it uh, in society, both public and religious. And he's infiltrated it. And you can testify to that. You can see that, that there is an element of darkness that is uh, opposite and at war with that that is right. Uh, but it is within man as well that there's a war. It is within, you can watch it in the, in the heart of your little child. You can say to that child, I want you to do this. And you can watch them gears go to turning in their mind as they contemplate whether they will do what you said do or whether they will do what they want to do. And the problem with most of our children is they found out that they can do what they want to do and you ain't going to do one blessed thing about it. You yell a lot. They get used to yelling. <laughs> you, you breathe threats that are empty and they, uh, they know that they know you, don't, you ain't going to do what you said you was going to do are y'all hearing me tonight and you see it isn't it? I mean it's working in them there is a war for what I'll tell you what power there is a war for position 
There is a war for prestige. There is a war for praise. Uh, and that was Satan's problem. Uh, he wanted to be praised. He said, I want to be like the most high God. There was a war for position. He said, I want to be God. There was a war for power. He wanted power. And man comes into this world uh, with the same war going on. And by the time that before that baby can talk, it's already at work in him and her. And it's at work in you. Uh, and nobody wants to submit the power and the authority of their life. But I'll tell you what, until you do, you are at enmity, you are at war with God and there is no peace. As long as you're on the throne and I talked to some Christians tonight you might be saved and there may be a day back in your life when you submitted your will to God and said Lord I'm a sinner and I want you to save me and peace flooded your soul when he saved you but you can get yourself outside of peace not outside of salvation but outside of the peace of God by holding on to control in your life that the Lord wants both stand at odds against God Satan and his disobedience and man and man's disobedience. And because of that, we're producing a world in us and around us where there is no peace. Here's the verse I wanted to give you a minute ago. Romans chapter 8, verse number 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. What does enmity mean? It means war. Said that the carnal mind, the lost mind, the mind that is fleshly by nature, it is not, it is not born again, it is not that which comes from God, it is that that is at war with God. That mind is at war. The child, the adult, the sinner on his way to hell, he is at war with God whether he recognizes it or not. And if you walked in these doors tonight and Jesus is not your Savior, I'm going to tell you there's a war going on and you're on the losing end and you're living your life with no peace because peace only comes from God. The Bible talks about many places and Paul describes it. It's the God of peace. No wonder man has very little to no peace at all if he has very little to no knowledge of God at all and has no relationship with God. As long as Satan is in control of this world, this world's never going to have real peace like it's going to have in the millennial reign. But I tell you, as long as you're in control of your world, you'll never have real peace. And there's some of you young people in here tonight, I want you to listen to me. There's some of you young people in here tonight, and you're saved as anybody's saved. You're going to heaven just as well as anybody in here is. But you're trying to run your life, and you have no peace in it right now. Hey, some mamas and daddies in here tonight, and you're saved, your name's written down in the Lamb's book of life, but you're strong-willed, and you're trying to run the show, and you won't tell, you won't surrender to God, you won't be what God's asked you to be, and you're trying to hold on to that power, you're trying to hold on, and I don't know why, because you know good and well you ain't any good with it, but you're trying to hold on to it, you want to have the last word, the last say, and you live every day of your life without the peace of God that, it, it, that accompanies surrender to the will of God. Saved without peace. By definition, blessed are the peacemakers, it is those who make peace. But I want you to notice tonight by design, a peacemaker is one who makes rest, 
an end of war, wherever it goes. And the Lord said, I want you to be a peacemaker. Three things quickly tonight, and I'll be done. If you're going to be a peacemaker, number one, you're going to have to have. Number two, I'll give you. Number three, three things you'll have to have to be a peacemaker. Number one tonight, if you're going to be a peacemaker, you'll have to be a partaker of peace. Is that simple enough for y'all? All right. If you're going to be a peacemaker at home, if you're going to be a peacemaker in this world that don't have any peace at all, if you're going to be a peacemaker where you work, you will have to be a partaker of peace. What do I mean by that? I mean it'll have to enter into your life. You'll have to know something about peace. You'll have to have experienced the peace that passeth all understanding. You'll have to have experienced the peace that comes from being born again. I, I told you a moment ago that man uh, is in a war with God. And I don't know if many of you would believe that because most people, even before they got saved, would say, well, I believed in God. Here's the problem. You're not, most of you, most of us, are not in war with the fact of the existence of God. And most people are out there. You go all over Burke County and you'll be hard-pressed to find them. They're out there, but you'll be hard-pressed to find folks that say, I just don't even believe he's real. We live in the good old South and most people believe in God and they know he's there and they know he's up there. He's the big man upstairs. He's the man on, in control. He's, 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 he's the universe looking after. He's karma to some and, and he's a woman to others. And though he has masculine, he called God in the masculine all through the Bible, people just do whatever they want to do with the word of God. And they have a mentality of God and most people are not mad at God. They don't see how they could be at war with God in His existence. He's there. He, he, he created the world and stepped back and just said, y'all do whatever you want to do. And, and that's how people believe about God. He don't intervene. He don't interject Himself. He don't interpose Himself. He just lets your life live. Live and let live. Let be what will be. And that is man's mentality about God and that God don't bother nobody people are not bothered by that God made me he put me here one of these days when I die I'm going to go to a great big old heaven in the sky and I believe that tonight but people like to believe that but they don't want to believe about God anything that imposes in their life sitting in here tonight it's folks, you want to believe about God that He loves you, and He does. You want to believe about God that He likes you, and He does. You want to believe about God that He's good with you, uh, and I hope that He is. If He is, it's through the person of Christ. You want to believe about God what you want to believe about. But it is that, that is of God, that, that is by God, uh, uh, that imposes in your life that man rejects. Here's what people don't like. I don't want God to require anything of me. I don't want God to uh, have rights over me. I want God to leave me alone. Oh, y'all talk back to me now. The folks you work with, they don't have a problem believing in your God as long as he don't ask them to go to church. Well, I believe in God and he never wanted me to go to church. <laughs> They, they don't mind uh, God as long as God don't have any requirements on their life. 
They, they don't mind God as long as God is not trying to produce something in their life. They don't mind God as long as God wants no rights from their life. They don't mind the Bible. As long as the Bible you read is so watered down, it don't ask anything of you or tell you anything except do that, that makes you feel good. Don't talk to me about my sin. Don't talk to me about my attitude. Don't talk to me about my heart. me about my fornication. Don't talk to me about my adultery. Don't talk to me about my drunkenness. Don't talk to me about my jealousy. Don't talk to me about hell. You can preach on heaven, but don't talk to me about hell. But I want to tell you something tonight. There is a hell and there is sin and it is wrong and God is upset about it and he will put you in hell if you don't trust him. I'm not arrogant about that. I'm not, I'm not in your face and trying to uh, make myself boast because I was going to hell and so were you till I met the Lord Jesus. Man is at war because God has requirements. Man is at war because God has the right. And this one man encounters these truths about God that he gets his feathers in a ruffle. It's when this truth is brought to light that it confronts us. That's where we don't like it. We don't want the confrontation of maybe I'm wrong. And you ever get somebody there it's called, you, ever, you ever heard the word conviction? We, we preach it in the Bible and we hear it all the time. We don't put two and two together. Do you know that's the same thing that happens to people in Burke County when they go to the courthouse? They get convicted of a crime. And if they're found guilty, then they become convicts. And convicts go to jail. And they're in trouble. And it don't matter whether they say, I didn't do it or not. If a jury of their peers says they did it, they've been convicted of it. And, 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 and you get most of them. Most of them ain't going to admit it. Because well, if, if you admit guilt, then that means there ain't no hope of you getting out. And so you say, well, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I'll tell you something. God's a whole lot bigger than your peers. And he knows yesterday and today. He knows the beginning from the end. And he knows you're guilty. And when the Holy Ghost of God takes the word of God and convicts you, uh, there is absolutely no peace to that man who's been confronted. To that man who's been convicted. I got a car out there in my truck. I mean, I got, I got a car in my truck. I got a battery in my truck. That's the word I was looking for. I don't know where car came from. Got a battery. And uh, that battery has two posts. And without one or the other, that battery won't ever turn that truck over. It's got a positive post. And there's a cable running from the starter to the positive that battery's also got a negative. And it takes both the positive and the negative to crank that truck. And if you got one and drove in here tonight, you got the same thing I got. You got to have the positive and the negative. Here's the positive. There's a heaven. 
Here's the positive, Jesus saves. Here's the positive, God loves you. Here's the positive, God wants to give you peace. Here's the negative, you're a wretched, low-down sinner who deserves hell and is going to hell. And if you don't trust Jesus as your Savior, you'll end up in hell. And you don't deserve any of it. And you'll say, I don't like any of that negative business. But it'll take that negative business entering into your life to make you realize, I need Him before there's any positive goes on in your life. That's why folks are in no peace with God. It is that part of God and His Word that confronts the sinner. And I found that people will come to church and they're looking. You know why most people come to church who hadn't been coming to church? Because they didn't have any peace at the house. And that something happened. Somebody said something or they knew something or they turned on the news one day and they said this is blowing up and that's blowing up and this is falling apart and that's falling apart. And they said, my goodness, there's got to be a God somewhere. There's got to be more to life than this. And they said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to church and see if there's any answers. And thank God you found the right place to go to church where the truth was being preached. And you get to church and you think, boy, this feels good in here. These people are nice. I like this. And you come to church and and they sing. Boy, that's good singing. They play. That's good playing. That loudmouth preacher gets up and you think, well, he's kind of entertainment. And he said two or three things that was funny. Oh, no. Then he gets over into preaching that truth. And he calls you names like, you're a sinner. Well, he's awful boastful there. Awful. I mean, that's bold, you know, just look at this crowd. and call They ought to run him out of there. Me, a sinner. Well, I ain't no bigger sinner than anybody else. And you walk out of them doors and you feel worse <laughs> than you did before you came in. And most people say stuff like this. Well, I ain't going back there. I'm going to go find me one that makes me feel good. And it don't take too long a looking and you'll find one that makes you feel good. But you still don't have any peace. <laughs> and you're liable to get worse before you get better. I'm not going to finish this message tonight. This will be it. You're liable to get worse before you get better. But you remember the day. You say, I'm going to go back one more time. I ain't going to stick around if he's going to go to being mean to me again. And it ain't him. They some, they some rude preachers, but they hard to find. It, most of the time, it's just our confrontation with the Bible. I'm going to go back one more time. Give him one more shot. And you walk back in here again, and, and they sing, There is power in the name of Jesus. And you say, well, I believe that. That's, that's pretty good. And they sang and played. Boy, I like that singing like they play. Boy, they all shook my hand. That was so kind, so nice. And then that loudmouth preacher gets back up. And he says, but you're still a sinner. <laughs> you're still going to hell and you still need to be saved and you're still in trouble and there ain't a lick of peace. You've been confronted with truth of the word of God and it is that part of God when he says you're living in sin. You're not married. You're living in adultery, living in fornication, and folks throw their hands up and say, well, I didn't come over here to be told that I was a fornicator. You're not. 
I don't know. I'm, you, you drunk or whatever. I didn't come over and be told I was a drunk. It ain't what that man said or the way he said it. It's what that book said. You're covetous. You're a liar. You're a sinner. The wages of sin is death. You say, I'm no worse of a sinner. And boy, I tell you, get under conviction and you not want to come back. But thank God for that confrontation that makes you realize you're a sinner. And somewhere you get up to walk out the back door and the Holy Ghost draws you to the front and you kneel down a sinner and you tell God, you're right, God. I'm all of those things. And that moment God saves you. And do you know what you get? You get the peace of God. Because he makes you right with God. And when you get right with God, you get the peace of God. And it's that peace that passeth all understanding. There ain't nothing like it in the world. When God gives you his peace, you have become a partaker of the peace of God. And now you can become a peacemaker. I'm not going to preach no more of it tonight. We'll get to it another time. But if you're sitting in here this evening and you're saved but you don't have any peace, I'd ask you tonight, what was God, what has God confronted you about? He wants you to give Him. He's talked to you about it. He's confronted you. If you're in here tonight and you're lost, God's confronting you. It ain't that preacher's mean. It ain't that church's mean. It's that the word of God's wanting to change you. And you'll not have a lick of peace until you let him change you. Blessed are the peacemakers. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you have to first be a partaker of peace. You have to know something about it. Come on the piano. As far as I'm going to go tonight, Anybody glad that you have partaken of that great peace? Partaken. A sinner confronted with truth. And that truth got a hold of your heart and set you free. Here's what Psalm 119, 165 said. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you've never been saved, that book will offend you. Sure will. It's hard to hear. You're a sinner. You know what's so offensive about church? You know what's so offensive about preaching? You know what's so offensive about the Bible? Is that God has the right to, if, if He's real and His Word's real, He has the right to define you. He can say about you what you really are. That's why there's a great fight in the hour we live in. What is a man? What is a woman? Because God said what a man was. God said what a woman was. 
There's a great fight. What is marriage? And it is because God said what marriage was. God defined it. This is a man. This is a woman. And marriage is between a man and a woman. That's God's definition. There's a great fight in our hour because man don't want a God that can define him. But I'm going to tell you something. Not only did God make you, God defines you. And I don't care what you want to be, think you are, or hope to be. God has put a definition on you. That's offensive to this world. I don't want no God defining me. I don't want God to demand anything of me. I'll be what I want to be, do what I want to do, when I want to do it. And I don't want God to decide anything about me. And yet He has. You're a sinner. And you're going to hell. Except you trust Him. But if you'll trust Him, Here's what John 14, 27 said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. My peace I give unto you. He said, I'll let you be a partaker if you'll come to me. Here's, 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 here it is, and I'm, I am done. You want to get God's peace? How do I get that, preacher? Absolute surrender on God's terms. Lost person, you want the peace of God? Absolute surrender on God's terms. He's already laid them out. You'll have to do what God said. Christian, you want to live in the peace of God tonight? Absolute surrender on God's terms. That's it. Anything outside of that? War. Oh, aren't you tired of war? Aren't you tired of no peace? Would you come tonight? Absolute surrender on God's terms. Let's stand. She's going to play.